0: Well, we're in the Gospel of John. We've only been there a couple, three Sundays after being in the Old Testament for six years or something. We're in the Gospel of John now. In Jesus' beginning of his ministry in the Gospel of John, we first see him at a wedding party where he turns six large water pots from water to good wine. And Mary, Jesus' mother, she makes it known to Jesus the wedding party is out of wine. Mary, she's believed to have been one of the hosts of this wedding. She's troubled by the truth that they're out of wine and she goes to her son Jesus and I think she was accustomed to going to Jesus because I think at this time Joseph is dead and she's looked to her older son to be the provider of the family but Jesus has a word for Mary woman which is a uh, not a warm term but a, a kind of a correct term for her Woman, what does this have to do with me? You know, my hour has not yet come. But Mary, she blows right through this resistance of Jesus, and she tells the servants, Do whatever Jesus tells you. Jesus has resisted Mary, but yet he has compassion on this wedding party. I have a question, did the, did the wedding host invite more people than they, they can handle? And to that I say, obviously that's the case here. And Mary, she wants Jesus to do something. Have you ever erred in your decision making? Mary turns to Jesus and Jesus provides. And that's a good word for us because Jesus is bigger than any bad decision or erroneous decisions that we may have ever made. He's above and beyond. Uh, we many times call on Jesus to bail us out of bad decisions. So, but we have Jesus here and he's beginning his ministry. At a party. And he was bringing joy to a wedding feast. That was a disaster. But right after this Jesus. On Passover will cleanse the temple out of court. Out of courtroom there. Of the profit makers. Out of the merchandisers. Out of the, those that have come to Passover to make money. And we see Jesus at this uh, temple cleansing during Passover. And I wonder how many times Jesus, as a young man, has been to Passover. But now he's an adult man. He's been baptized by John. He has entered his ministry. And it grieves Jesus uh, that man is profiting From those who want to worship. And so Jesus has a reaction. And it's not a quick reaction out of anger. But he takes time and he fashions a whip of cords. Uh, And he uses his whip to drive out the money changers. Drive out those that are selling animals. The sacrifice animals that are, you know, just perfect. The outer court of the temple, it had become like a livestock auction. There's shouting going on. There's the bleeding of animals. Many of you know that I have a few cows and we have one cow that we call Bella. And she's called Bella because she bellers and makes all kind of noise. Separate her from her calf, and oh man, you pay a price. She will beller all night long. But put yourself there in the temple for a moment. There's noise, there's chaos all around you. Animals are also being animals, and they relieve themselves. And thus, the strong odor in the outer court there of livestock. And Jesus, he has to put a stop to this, to this unruly, disastrous scene. And the people are thankful, especially the Gentiles, because this is as far as they could go in the temple anyway. And Jesus brings order to the temple. But this morning we find ourselves in John chapter 3. You may want to turn there, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 16, but we're going to read the first 10 verses here in John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Nicodemus, he is a ruler of the Jews. We know that Nicodemus, his very name is a Greek name. We know that Nicodemus is a member of the ruling Sanhedrin, the ruling 70. And Jesus speaks to Nicodemus as the esteemed leader, the esteemed teacher of the Jews. Now there's much uh, ado made of when Nicodemus visits Jesus. And he visits him at night. Some say it's because uh, he was afraid to be seen in a day or whatever. But Nicodemus may have just wanted a private time with Jesus there at night. And Nicodemus, he begins with, We know you are a teacher that has come from God. This was probably a conclusion of the Sanhedrin along with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he gives Jesus a compliment. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. Nicodemus did not realize, however, that false prophets can also do signs and wonders. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.9 The coming of the lawless one is according to the work, working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Revelation 13 13 and 14. He performs great signs so that even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he is granted to do in the sight of of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lip. So we see Satan can also in his followers they can do signs and wonders but Jesus he cuts right to the heart of Nicodemus's visit and he says unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God this statement by Jesus it shatters the idea that the Jews held That they have a place in God's kingdom by birth. If you were born a son of Abraham, heaven was granted to you. And Jesus flies right in the face of that and tells Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You need a new life, Nicodemus. You must be born from above. And that happens to be a New Testament teaching. But Nicodemus, he asked, how can this happen? He didn't say, if it should happen. He asked Jesus, how can this happen? How can a man be born anew when he is old? Now, Nicodemus, he would have understood Jesus' statement If Jesus would have just said it this way, Gentiles must be born again. Nicodemus would have said, yep, I agree with that, Jesus. But Jesus has raised the standard of achieving heaven. It's gone beyond race, beyond being a Jew. And this causes Nicodemus to consider new birth And how can it happen? Nicodemus has passed from should I be born again to how do I become born again? And then verses 5 through 8, Jesus explains being born again to him. Jesus is declaring to all of humanity. And he says, most assuredly, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, being born of water can have several meanings, and it does have several meanings to some, but being born of water is to receive the regeneration by the Holy Spirit, quote, unquote, the living water. To receive the truth of the new covenant in Christ are experiencing unmerited favor or grace upon you to be born again. And it's contrary to being born of the flesh. We are born again by the Spirit of God, who comes and he dwells within us. Jesus continues with Nicodemus Do not marvel that I said to you, you, and he's talking to him personally, must be born again. It's interesting to me, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to be born again for her salvation. His own mother. Years ago, I read a book uh, about George Bush, Jr., and his Christianity. He openly stated how he was not one of those born-again type Christians, but how he believed in Christ for salvation regardless. But his statement caused me to doubt his Christianity because Jesus said, you must be born again. If that term, born again, offends you, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why does that offend you? Jesus has told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear it, but you cannot see where it comes from or where it goes. And it is the same with being born of the Spirit. And you see and experience a new birth in Christ. We cannot explain the workings of the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. Nicodemus, he's dull of understanding. And he, and he says to Jesus, how can these things be? But Jesus has taken time. And he's explained about a spiritual birth but Nicodemus, he has not understood. Because Jesus' words fly right in the face of all Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, has ever known or learned. And Jesus gently rebukes Nicodemus. And he says, are you the singular, esteemed teacher of Israel and do not know these things. You teach other men supposedly the way to the Lord, yet you do not understand the most simple spiritual truth that I reveal to you. Then we read of another most assuredly spoken by Jesus. And that's in verse 11 and we'll read through 15. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who comes down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus now points out that he, the Holy spirit along with God, the father speak and testify as a trinity, what they have seen. And he says, Nicodemus, you do not receive our witness. This statement by Jesus should should have startled Nicodemus into, well, then who is talking to me if he just associated himself with God the Father and the Spirit? Jesus has openly declared to Nicodemus who he is. He is the Son of God. And he uses the plural of himself and God. And this is another gentle rebuke of Nicodemus. And Jesus goes on and he says to Nicodemus, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe or you do not understand, what will you do, Nicodemus, if I tell you heavenly things? How will you believe? And he says, Nicodemus, I, the son of man came down from heaven and no one else Has done this Jesus goes on and let me tell you another spiritual truth as Moses lifted up the serpent on a pole in the wilderness in like manner I the Son of Man must be lifted up the Moses serpent you may remember this story you only had to look upon it for your healing That's all you had to do. Just look upon this serpent, this brass serpent, on a pole, and you receive your healing. It's interesting to me that modern medicine still uses this symbol of a serpent on a pole as a sign of their healing. But Jesus, he tells Nicodemus, I also must be lifted up. And Nicodemus... Whoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. There is good news of this encounter, or this visit by Nicodemus with Jesus there at night. Even though Nicodemus is slow of heart, slow of mind, slow to believe, this visit with Nicodemus and Jesus has a good outcome. Of course, we turn over to John 19, 39, and Nicodemus, after the crucifixion of Christ, along with Joseph of Arimathea, take the body of Jesus and prepare Jesus' body for burial. This was done by two believers in Jesus. Joseph... They say he believes secretly. Probably Nicodemus also. But Nicodemus, he does come to a believing state. It just took him some time. It took him time to sort it all out. All the words that Jesus spoke to him. I'm sure he replayed the conversations he had with Jesus over and over again. But maybe you've been sorting out the words of Jesus in Scripture. Maybe you're like Nicodemus who comes to believe. And then we have the most well-known verse in all the Bible. It's the most popular verse in all of Scripture, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus came to believe that Jesus was God's son. And he demonstrated this after Jesus' crucifixion. We have and we live in what we call an age of grace. We have opportunities to believe in Jesus. With everything in me, I pray that we all have a believing heart. Do not be dull of understanding. Accept and receive Jesus, the Lamb of God. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our pardon, to be our sacrifice, to be our lamb, that sacrificial lamb to take away our sins. We thank you, Lord, for that great gift of Jesus. And we want to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. We want to have him be our propitiation between yourself and us, that offering of peace that we can have a relationship with you. So, Lord, give us understanding to believe. Give us that heart and mind that will turn to you completely and wholly. And Lord, we would pray that we would be born again, afresh and anew by your Spirit. We pray for that, Lord. We pray for any that might be here that have not experienced a new birth in you, that they will. So, Lord, help us to have a heart and a mind that believes that believes you are the Son of God, our Savior. We pray for that, Lord. So help us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Now...